You are listening to The Resolute Podcast, a podcast designed for the American church and its leadership and a ministry of decision mentoring. Today is episode 57, The One Without Chet. Now here are your hosts, me and Tony. <laughs> it is just us. It is just us. And we're not doing a Hey Tony. Yeah, that's so. good. Because I'm here. Yeah. Hey, hey Tony. Chet's not, it's The One Without Chet. It is. There's never, ever in the history of The Resolute Podcast been one without Chet. Yeah. Took, took us 57 episodes. We, we started a coup. <laughs> Chet, <laughs> Chet is gone. He's, yeah. he's like rolling around. Alaska. Uh, yeah, Alaska. Yeah. Like just abandoned us. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's up in Alaska. Just The old word that we would say is lollygagging. I don't even know what that means. I've heard that. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that phrase a lot of times. What is that? Lollygag. I have no, I have no clue. Another one. I think I'm saying it right, but gallivanting. Uh-huh. I've heard that one. I don't know what that is either. I feel like that was from like a thousand years ago. Someone made up that word. Yeah. And it's just like everyone uses it now. At least a hundred. At least a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. No one alive today knows 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 what that word means. It's lost. Yeah. 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 So. So here we are. Here we are. Uh, We're trying to figure out what to talk about. And we just came out of this weekend called Surge. 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 We spent Friday night and Saturday morning here at Elevation Church talking about um, surge and, and tell, tell our listeners about what kind of surge, why did you choose the name surge? Yeah. Well, you know, Brandon, that, uh, cause I know you're, you're technical and you know, stuff like this. A little bit. Yeah. And so like there is a whole idea of a power surge. We have surge protectors on devices that we care about because, and, and, and I don't know if you know this total answer, but something about the power can, can surge and, yeah. Too much. And so those depress it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, if a device gets too much power, it could, it could explode. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if like a lightning strikes a building or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, all those millions of volts or whatever could just blow up a computer. Sure. Wait, I'm, I don't know how many years ago. It's been many, many years ago, but that happened here once there was really? a lightning strike and wow. all the, whatever they are, like dimmer boxes or mm-hmm. whatever it is for the lights all have to be replaced. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's also like a storm surge. So when... You know, hurricane weather or whatever, which we don't have a whole lot of it here in the Midwest. But, but not too many hurricanes in Indiana. Not, yeah, not today. But uh, there's the whole idea of a storm surge. And I guess there could be a storm surge, I don't know, like on Lake Michigan or something, maybe north of us. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, but anyways, so we kind of got a picture of what that is. We know that it's, it's an elevated level of threat or uh, amount of water or wind or whatever that is. Well... We, we kind of approached it this weekend with the idea that surge is, um, I, I talked about this idea that if you had a garden hose and you're outside, I think everybody's had this happen at some time in their life and you're watering something or you're trying to fill up a kiddie pool or whatever you're doing and you got the garden hose and you, you've, you've, you've brought it out to where you need it and you've got it turned on and either nothing is coming out or it's just a small trickle of something, mm-hmm. and you're like looking like, what is wrong? And and as I say that, most people listening right now know, uh, they know this, that it's probably somewhere in that hole, in that garden hose, there's a kink somewhere. And so the kink is that, that it's constricted and the flow of water coming through the hole. So once you go find the kink and you untwist that or, or straighten it out, well, then all of a sudden there's a big rush of water mm-hmm. because what's been happening is behind that kink, there's been pressure that's been building up 
And once you, once you, uh, change that and get rid of the kink, well, then there's a release of flow. And, uh, that's what I talked about this weekend in my definition of, of surge is that, uh, for us here at Elevation Church, but I would just kind of, uh, expand that to include so many churches, um, uh, in our area, in, in our nation that they feel like, well, there's something blocking, there's something obstructing, whether it's blessing, whether it's affected effectiveness or fruitfulness, or just the ability to do ministry or to, uh, reach people or to just accomplish anything of substance. They, they just feel like, well, what's, what's wrong here? We're trying, we're trying everything. We've, we've got the three ring binder. We've got the new program. We've tried to do what somebody else has done. We've tried to duplicate. We've tried to be original. We've tried to, and nothing seems to be producing anything. Hmm. And I think every leader at some point in their, um, and their leadership has experienced that, where you're just trying and trying and trying, and nothing's seeming to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, w- what I uh, and some of this came out of sabbatical. You know, I was gone three months, and and when you're on sabbatical, at least for me, now I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, when I was on sabbatical, well, you don't quit thinking about the church, you don't quit thinking about. Um, ministry and how to do ministry and and you see things you think wow I like I like that or I wish we could do like that or I wish that was and so one of the things that came out of that was the idea is okay what is restricting the flow where's the kink what is the kink and so that's kind of how we arrived at that idea of surge mm-hmm. and uh, because you know this maybe sounds a little mystical to some people but we just believe that God's going to to help us to and I believe we've uncovered some of those kinks but bring a a release of the flow of wh- and whatever that is, and I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm not saying I put my finger on all of it. It was his, his power, his presence, his purpose. Um, w- those things that we believe that God wants to do here, and uh, I, I I really believe, and I think sometimes we get lost in doing church. I really believe that if we give God what He wants, if He gets what He wants that a church in a community is going to be salt and light. Hmm. It's going to be a beacon, a light for others to see. Hmm. Uh, not just a place taking up space in a community, uh, not just meeting in four walls and singing Kumbaya and holding hands and throwing some money in a bucket and feeling better about ourselves, mm-hmm. but that we're making an impact on the community. Yeah. And, and so when it comes to surge, yeah, well, that's what, that's what we want. God, help us to be... You know, in the Bible, it talks about the idea of producing much fruit. Mm-hmm. I think it's KJV language, but but much fruit, not just not just a little, not just so. Uh, so we explored some of those areas. Yeah. Um, let me just let me pick up on one. Yeah. One that we talked about, and then if you if you hear something, you want just to if I need to give more definition to something, then we can do that. Sure. So sounds good. Yeah. So one one of the things I think this is American church. American church problem. That's why I'm, I'm not going to speak to like the Kenyan church problem or the, the Turkish church problem or the German church problem, yeah. American church problem. So is in the area of hospitality. I think that becomes a kink for a lot of places. And it's not that we don't love people and we don't want to treat people well. 
It's just we may not notice sometimes. Uh, I remember a pastor told me one time, he said that, that when people come as a pastor, one of your responsibilities is, because you want them to bring, you want them to invite their family, to invite their friends, to invite their coworkers. You want them to invite people to come along with them. Uh, if your church is going to grow, it's going to come. It's going to going to come from not not billboards, yeah, not not uh, radio or TV advertisements. And there's a place for that, I'm sure. Uh, it's not going to come from all those kind of things. From just marketing, certainly we want we want to have if we have any kind of marketing, we want it to be good. But it's not going to come from those things. That's that represents a very very minuscule percentage of people that are going to come to your church. Number one by far. I mean, you, you, there's nothing else comes even close to it. Number one way that people come to your church is by the invitation of a friend, mm-hmm. by someone that reached by, by what we call word of mouth, you know? Um, and you'd love it if people just practice personal evangelism and they won people to Jesus and they brought them to church and said, Hey, yeah, here's Joe. I led him to the Jesus. I baptized him in my swimming pool. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> and, great. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we are advocating for right now. You lead somebody to Jesus. Tell your people uh-huh. if you're if you're a leader. Tell them to lead people to Jesus, and uh, pray them through to salvation, and then baptize them in the community swimming pool, and then bring them to church on Sunday and say, "Hey, they're ready." There you go. Just disciple them. Yep. In fact, tell them to disciple them too. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds biblical. Uh, yeah, it sounds a little biblical. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that most uh, most of the church growth that happens in America is going to be by people bringing people they know. And again, maybe they've already led them to Christ. Maybe that prayer's already been prayed. Maybe that person had an experience in America. This is very common. They've had some kind of experience uh, with um, with a, a salvation experience, or they've had um, some introduction to Christianity or church background, or they knew somebody that knew somebody that was mm-hmm. Christian, right? They don't just come fresh out of, like, I don't know anything. And so, uh, so if that's the case, and this pastor told me that you got to make it a safe place for them to bring the people they know. Mm-hmm. If you ever embarrass them, well, they'll never want to bring anybody again. And I think it's such, and I've, I've, that, that resonated with me, and I think it's so true that, that we want to have an environment now, I'm just going to be honest with you, and maybe, you know, and we do things, there's different flavors of Christianity and the way people do church, um, so so you may be able to to do it more diff- uh, differently than we do it, and that's cool, but I, I will say that, like, for, at Elevation, well, if you come here, we're not going to compromise our worship or try to preach the gospel light, mm-hmm. you know, or, or do something that just compromises the purpose of our church. Yeah, we're going to hold to our values. Right. Yeah. Those are non-negotiable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, one of those values is that we, uh, it's a non-negotiable that um, we exist uh, to see the kingdom of God expand. And we exist uh, to experience intimacy with God. Uh, there's two of the values. And, and on Sunday morning, we come to worship. And so, well, we're not going to compromise. We're going to worship. Now, um, we may worship different or more intense in a night of worship on a Sunday night yeah. than, than maybe on Sunday morning. So, but 
and we're going to preach the gospel. And the gospel is offensive. The cross mm-hmm. is offensive. And so we know people can get offended, but we're not going to offend them over if they have a cup of coffee and they bring it or, or whatever. You know, we're not yeah. going to be silly about things. In the grand scheme of eternity, I don't know if somebody bringing a cup of coffee to church matters. Probably not. You know? Yeah. So, so, you know, we talked about the idea that, that hospitality, the way that we treat people, it's just so important. And, uh, you know, and I, and I could I could talk a lot about the idea that, you know, we, we choose mission over maintenance. Uh, we're always going to do maintenance. We're always going to take care of the of the maintaining that's just going to happen. But if we're not, if we're not intentional about mission and being on mission, well, we, we may set it aside and, and miss out on, on reaching uh, people with the gospel. And so I, I just, I use Luke step chapter seven mm-hmm. and uh, those listening probably know Luke chapter seven, where uh, Jesus has went into the house of a Pharisee and uh, he's there and they, they are, um, there's a woman that comes, and she begins to um, wash Jesus' feet with her tears and dry them, lets her hair down, which was something that, that ladies wouldn't necessarily do in public. She had, And she dries his feet with her hair, and she's kissing his feet, and she uh, puts this fragrant um, um, oil or ointment on, on his feet, this perfume, fragrance. And um, the Pharisee, Simon, in himself, he thinks, well, if Jesus knew, if he was really a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in the language there, it uses the word sinner. Now, when we say sinner, we probably have a certain, well, we mean people that sin. In fact, yeah. you hear the term. Um, I mean, you know it well. Uh, I'm a sinner yeah. saved by grace, right? We, we right. throw it around on us. Well, in the, the connotations there, most scholars would say that that uh, that the word sinner there is denoting a prostitute. Mm. And so what manner of woman this is. And so uh, this guy's like, well, you know, if he's really a prophet, he wouldn't let her. Anoint his feet. Right. Yeah. What, yeah. What's up with this? He would call her out and say, hey, don't be doing this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a holy man and you're a prostitute. And Jesus isn't doing that. And so Jesus, you know, knowing what's going on. uh in, in his thought process, he addresses him. And what he addresses him with, to me, is, is uh, a little bit astonishing because he, he could have said so many things, but Jesus addresses things that he noticed. And he said, when I entered, when I came into your house, um, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. Well, that was customary. That, that was, in that day, that was a, a sign of hospitality that that someone's been on the road all day. They don't have shoes like we have today. The roads are not in the sidewalks and they don't have vehicles like we have. And so they're walking and the roads are dusty and their feet, they come in and their feet are. And so to give someone water was a sign of hospitality. They could wash their feet off, clean them. And anybody that's listening, I mean, we all know this. When you, you've you been doing something, you get dusty and dirty and sweaty and all those things. And to be able to just clean up is refreshing. Yeah. But this man didn't offer that. And Jesus points that out to him. But you didn't offer that. And but this lady, well, she's she's used her tears to wash my feet. And she used her hair to, to dry them. And then then he says, and you know, when I when I came in here, you didn't greet me with a kiss. But this lady has uh, kissed my feet incessantly. She she's nonstop. 
And as I say that, for us, it's kind of weird. The whole feet, yeah. ki- feet kissing thing sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's a little little awkward, but yeah. it's custom. It was customary. It was, yeah, well, it was the thing of the time. Yeah, twenty twenty two. We would say, "Whoa, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing?" And uh, he said, "You know, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but yet she's did this." In other words, you didn't show me any hospitality, but look at the the extravagant hospitality that she's offered me. Um, he goes on to say, "You didn't anoint my head with oil, and yet she's anointed me with this costly fragrance." And uh, and so uh, Jesus, here's the thing that gets me: Jesus noticed he notices every detail of hospitality that she's offered and that he didn't receive mm-hmm. from Simon and he calls it out. And I think that when we, when we get to the place of, of uh, a kink, something that restricts flow in an American church and, and we do a lot of good things. I mean, I think, you know, there's greeters and there's ushers and, you know, here at Elevation, we have a, we have a, a team that helps park people and we have, uh, folks out in the front. I was I was so uh, encouraged a few weeks ago. We had someone here from out of the country. Um, they were from Vancouver, and uh, they came to me after the service and said, "I just want to thank you because the family, the 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 mother and father and the children that were holding the signs that welcomed us as we came into the parking lot, it just encouraged us." Now that's just a little thing. It seems like, yeah, and yet for this guy, it was a big deal. Now, he's not the first person who's ever said that. I'm just saying we've had a bunch of people that would say that. And it's just it's just a nice kind of greeting kind of thing. Yeah. It's the first impression. Yeah, it, it is. And the team actually used to be called, if I remember, first impressions, right? Yeah. 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 A couple of years ago it was called that. So it I mean, the first thing you think of that's I mean, sometimes you form your entire opinion over a place or a church or a person over the first thing. Oh yeah. The first impression, your yeah. first opinion. Yeah. I was I was a restaurant, uh, is back way back before COVID. It's a newer restaurant, and we'd been there a couple times, and really liked what they had. Mm-hmm. Really liked what they had. And then the, the last time that we went there, and I didn't show that I didn't share this in the uh, in the surge weekend. I had it in my notes, but I just didn't share it because you know everybody couldn't take this. But the audience that listens to the Resolute podcast, well, they can handle, they can handle this. it. They can handle anything. They're better than average, right? And especially at this point, you've been through 56 episodes of Resolute. You can handle anything. Oh, my, yeah. <laughs> so so here you go. So we're at this restaurant. We've been there a few times. Really like it. It's really nice. And they bring our food to us. The last time we went there, they bring our food to mm-hmm. us. And the guy has a black shirt on. And on his shirt, there is like 10,000 hairs. Oh. <laughs> Not that it matters, but dog hair, human hair, cat right. hair. I don't know what it was. Combination. Yeah. Just hairs. Right. Part of me wants to say it was cat hair just because. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. I used to have a German shepherd. Yeah. And those things can shed. Oh, yeah. It, and, you know, when you have a black shirt on, you know, unless the, unless the animal is totally black, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But just showed. And they, they set our food down. And I'm just telling you, it was hard to even eat the food. Yeah. In my mind. Now, everybody wouldn't be like that. But in my mind. You got to think some of that hair got in your food. You got to think that, yeah. I mean, he carried it all the way from the kitchen. Yeah. He was back there in the kitchen running around. Uh-huh. And, and so even though that wasn't uh, necessarily intentional on his part to not show hospitality, mm-hmm. it was unintentionally uninviting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And unintentionally, is that word? Yeah, unintentionally. Unintentionally uninviting. Yeah, uninviting. That's, that's good. You know? And that's that's his appearance. So just, just today, I had an example similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so... A couple weeks ago, Chet announced Katie's pregnant on the Resolute. So if you didn't know, if you weren't listening then, um, now you know. It's awesome. Um, thank you. 
we had we're praying the, for triplets, right? <laughs> well, we just had the ultrasound today. There's only one in there. <laughs> they might be hiding behind him. Uh, they might be hiding. Yeah, they're stacked. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, but yeah, we had the um, obstetrician appointment, and our I mean, it was a first impression. So first of all, she was an hour and a half late to, to getting to us. Oh. The appointment was at ten. We didn't get in until about eleven fifteen. So I guess hour fifteen minutes. And so you were, that, were you in a waiting room? We were in a waiting room, and. You know that she could have been had could have had a bunch of other appointments. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like give you know give them grace, give them give them patience. Like okay, you're a doctor, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people. Busy that's, person, right. that's fine. Um, like it happens. But then when we got in there, you know how most doctors' office, you go back and the nurse does vitals and that kind of stuff. And they sure. say the doctor will be with you in a moment. And a few minutes, a few more minutes pass. The doctor comes busting in this door, and she just instantly like. My first impression is her is just like she's bouncing off the wall. She's asking questions, and, and then it, it just sounds like she's trying to rush through this appointment. She's trying to be like, okay, what else? What else? What else? Right. And just trying to be like, okay, are we done? Are we done yet? Like that's the attitude she was giving yeah. off. Of if, like, this, if this was your fifth time, you'd be right. Maybe I'm used like, to it, but this is like your we're, first. We're nine weeks into our new. first pregnancy. Like right. we have no idea what we're doing, and you're trying to rush us out the door. Mm-hmm. So first impression was she doesn't really want to give us the time of day. So all that to say, we're not going back. I'm not going to name the doctor, but we're not going back. Uh, we're going to find another OB. But anyway. What's her initial? I'm kidding. No, <laughs> doctor. <laughs> DR. Right, um, that's good. Yeah, I mean, just the attitude you give people. Mm-hmm. You you want you want to give the attitude of like, I care about you. I care about the time that I've committed to be with you. And I want I want that. I want this to feel valuable. And I want to feel, I want you to feel honored. Yeah. You know, that we're spending the time together. I did not feel that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And I, I think what you're saying is, yeah, you're valued, and and you know, like the lady that that is, with with the the feet being washed, that's refreshing. And mm-hmm. real hospitality is going to make you feel refreshed. You know, it's 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 going to give you a, a feeling of like uh, that this feels good. That 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 whatever you know, I can just picture, um, you know, you walk in for dinner someplace, and um, and everything's been table's been set. The food is right. The smell of the food. Mm. It's refreshing. Yeah. Like you come in, you're like, even if the day wasn't going good, just, just the way that the presentation of a room, the meal, all, you know, and I think, so when people walk in to our churches, if you know, I don't, I don't want, uh, the nice department store or the nice five-star hotel or wherever it's at to treat better people better than the church does. Yeah. And so I, I think that to me that's a kink that we gotta we, we've gotta up our game when it comes to hospitality to welcome people and, and 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 do it extravagantly. That's what we see in this picture. And Jesus Jesus notices every detail of that, and he, and it's important to him, or he wouldn't have said it. Mm-hmm. And he noticed that he didn't receive that. And and I, you know what I talked about in the surge weekend was that we we need to show hospitality to welcome Jesus every time, but also people. You know, Jesus refers to the idea of, you know, re- how we treat the least of these. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, the idea of, of, of being, helping people to be refreshed. I think the idea that, uh, that uh, with, um, with the, the kiss is, is a picture of closeness. And almost, um, I, I, in this way, I, I view this, that, that you're looking at people in the eyes. Mm. That when when people leave a worship uh, experience at Elevation, 
I want them to feel like that somebody noticed them. Somebody looked at them in the eyes, you know, that, that, that they, that when they, they leave here, that they're, they're going to remember that they were greeted and not just, you know, some perfunctory kind of performance, but they were, um, genuinely, authentically welcomed and somebody looked at them and, 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 and they felt a connection, hmm. you know? And then, and then I think about the whole fragrant kind of thing. That's, it's, it's a lingering thing. You know, you know, I, I, I described a lady uh, years and years ago. She's an elderly lady. I called her mother Everhart. And, uh, well, she was a fun lady and she's probably 30 years older than me. And, uh, she would, uh, she wore some kind of perfume and it wasn't the the newest youthful perfume. Yeah. <laughs> it had a distinct kind. I don't know what it was. Grandmotherly. There you go. That's a, that's a good word for it. Yeah. And beautiful lady. She'd always want to hug me. And, uh, you know, I'm not the most huggable guy, but I'd always hug her and mm-hmm. I, you know, and so, and it'd be like, I don't know, two or three hours away from that time. Yeah. And, uh, I'd be like, still smell her. <laughs> yeah. Mother Everhart's lingering with me. She's still, yeah. she's still with me. And I think about how that hospitality should be, you know, we want people and you should want this in, in the area of ministry that you lead. You should want people later that day thinking about the experience that they had, uh, how they were treated, how they were made to feel and it being a positive experience later that week, later that day. Yeah. So much so that they're thinking about it and it's lingering and they're, and they're telling other people about it. Yeah. Like, you know, I've been to a lot of places, but well, they treated me. Yeah. Cause they're, they're going to be thinking about it. Right. A lot of times you, you, you think back to that if it's really good or really bad, you come back to think about it. Now, if it's neutral or if it's mediocre, you might not think about it. Right. But if it's really good, you're going to be thinking about it. If it's really bad, you're going to be thinking about it. Definitely. So you want people to think about it. Right. When it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't know how, you, you said surge and there's so much we could talk about, but we kind of yeah. got in this hospitality thing, but I yeah, think it, it is one of the kinks. And, you know, I think the way that you uncover that is by evaluating. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's good to have, you know, invite somebody to come into your ministry that don't, that they're not normally there. And then sit down and talk to them. How were you treated? Mm-hmm. How, how did, how did things go? You know, how, how did the, the children, when they were checked in, you know, the person that you gave the, your hand, your baby off to, how, yeah. how, how was that? Right. That's pretty important. How, how did uh, the people around you like an elevation? I say, everybody's a greeter, mm-hmm. like the people around you, how did they treat you? You know, were they cold? Were they, did they pay attention? I know you were there. And I, I use a little, um, a illustration. I'll, I'll do this and then we'll wrap up today. But, uh, when I was a kid, I watched a uh, young, I was a teenager, the Cosby show. Yeah. You know, it was in the Huxtables was the name of the family. It was a great show. And uh, Cliff and Claire Huxtable were the mom and dad. And some people listen to this, you may not even know what this is. You may have to go Google it to find out what this was. But but they had a daughter, Vanessa, who had went off to school, to college. And she came back home and she brought this guy. And he was way older than her. And he was like a landscaper, um, I think is what it was, a maintenance in that in ground, yeah. groundskeeper. Works something. with his hands. Yeah. yeah. And so, and you know, and, and Cliff and Claire, they were, he was a doctor and she was a lawyer. And, and so she brings this, and it's her guy, and she brings him and introduces and they're sitting at the table, and Cliff looks at this guy named Dabney, sitting next to Vanessa, and he says something to this effect: "We don't like you." 
very abrupt. <laughs> yeah. Very straightforward. He said, I just want to let you know, Dabney, we don't like you. And it's not because you're this or that, or because you don't do this or that, or because of your age, or because of any of those things. He said, uh, he said, well, let me explain it this way. He said, what's your favorite meal? And the guy's like, yeah, steak. He said, okay, just picture a big porterhouse. And, and what would you like with it? And I, th- I think he said, uh, crispy potatoes. He said, okay, yeah. got the crispy potatoes, a little garlic on them. And, uh, and then he says, uh, it's Bill Cosby doing this, and he's all in his way of doing it. He says, how about some, some ta- sautéed mushrooms beside him? He said, oh, yeah. He says, See, we got the, the steak just juicy, just the way you like it. And we got the crispy potatoes, and they're just with a little garlic in them. We got the sautéed mushrooms. Doesn't that sound mm-hmm. good? He said, oh, yeah. He said, but instead of bringing it on a plate, he said, we bring it on an old nasty garbage can lid Ooh. and present it to you. Gross. <laughs> that's what he said. And he said, that's what Vanessa did to us with you. He said, You've been, she brought you on a garbage can lid. You may be a great guy. He said, but all we see is the garbage can lid. Hmm. And what I'm afraid is sometimes when it comes to this area of hospitality, that we got a great gospel. Nothing wrong with the gospel. Yeah. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've got all the things that are offered, the Word of God, the truth of God, theology, doctrine, all those kind of things. And sometimes we hand it to people on a garbage can lid. Mm-hmm. And we got to change that because that's a kink. And it restricts the flow of what God can do and will do. And so that's, that's why it was important to me. And I just challenge everybody, evaluate that area of your ministry. Um, nobody gets it perfect. We're all flawed. But there could be some area where you could improve in that. And it could be opening up uh, an obstructed area of God working in your ministry, in your church. And so I encourage you to do that. Thank you, Brandon. It's been a great time. Without Chet. The one without Chet. We be, made it. He'll be back, though. Yeah. Eventually, probably next week. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening. Uh, please check us out on uh, all the all the things. Brandon will tell you about those. Thank you for listening to the Resolute Podcast. If you want to check out the show notes from today's episode or want to learn more about joining a cohort, go to decisionmentoring.com. The Resolute Podcast is available every Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss new episodes. And finally, please consider rating us and sharing this episode to help to grow the ministry of Decision Mentoring and the Resolute Podcast. Thanks. See you next week.